Welcome to the first episode of Church Planter Wife Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything related to being a church planter's wife, the joys and the challenges. We want to walk with you on this journey, so join me for today's episode about how church planters' wives can embrace their calling. Welcome to Church Planter Wife Podcast, a ministry of Gospel Ventures. I'm Carol Alwood, and I've been a church planter's wife since the year 2000. You won't want to miss this week's episode on the topic of how church planters' wives can embrace their calling in this unique ministry. I'm going to give you three points to consider about your calling and spend a little time talking with another church planter's wife. Today we have Lorianne Selby Neely, who's married to Dustin Neely, lead planter of Refuge Church in Franklin, Tennessee. Let's get started. I'd like to give you three points to consider as you get used to your calling as a church planter's wife. Number one, this calling is a special privilege given from the Lord. It's really a privilege. Number two, this calling is not an assignment for you to start and maintain every ministry in a church which doesn't yet exist. Number three, this calling is between you and Jesus, and it's going to look different in each woman's life. Let's talk a bit more about number one, that this is a calling from the Lord and that it's a privilege. So many times it's easy to react to the news that your husband wants to plant a church with a bit of panic. You might wonder what it means for you and your family. You might wonder where you'll live, if you'll have money, if you'll have to leave family, friends. But if you can get past these initial points of panic, consider what an honor it is that God is even moving in this direction for your family. He wants your husband to start a new church. He wants you to walk with your husband in this huge undertaking. And you don't need to worry about the details. God will provide in whatever way he sees fit, whether it's through your husband having multiple jobs or whether there are finances through the church. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus tells us to go make disciples of all nations, to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all that He commanded us. And He tells us, He promises us, Behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. So if this calling is from the Lord and if it's a privilege, then what isn't this calling? I say this calling isn't God asking you to be and do everything in a church that doesn't yet exist. You don't have to be the worship leader or the children's director or the women's ministry coordinator. In my church planting experiences, I never expected myself to take on the huge weight of leading many ministries. All the weekly ministry tasks shouldn't rest on my shoulders. I view my calling more as taking care of my household first, especially getting my kids settled in the new areas we moved to and being there for my husband. Any ministry roles in the actual church plant were extras to my calling, above and beyond caring for my family during this tumultuous time of change. One of the reasons I developed this perspective is because much of the early church planting work takes place in our house. Don't get me wrong, at the beginning of a church plant, I do spend a lot of time cleaning my house, preparing food, and welcoming people into our home for training and fellowship. So really, you could say I focus on my gift of hospitality a lot at the beginning. 
The problem is I've seen women who don't realize they've taken on too much because they're spending lots of time on hospitality and they expect themselves to start new ministries from scratch and keep them rolling. Just keep in mind, being a church planter's wife doesn't mean you have to start and do everything. You shouldn't be taking on too much. If you do, you'll probably regret it in the future, and God will bring people to do the things you're tempted to do right away. You just might have to be a little patient. Let's talk more about the third point, that you have to understand that this is a calling between you and God, and it's going to look different in each woman's life. I'd like to tell you what my calling was like. Before I married John, I was halfway through college, and I prayed I'd marry a man who was in real ministry. And to me, real ministry was basically defined as being a part of a church that loved Jesus, that put him in the Great Commission first, and that had more of an outward than an inward approach to the weekly ministry tasks. After John and I were married, and John was in seminary, and he'd been part of several ministries, it really didn't surprise me when he said he was called to church planting. I mean, I was shocked at first, mostly because I hadn't really heard about church planting, and I thought John would just take a pastoral job at an existing church. But once I got over the surprise, I realized that John's calling to be a church planter was really and truly an answer to the prayer I prayed before we were married. So how have you seen God working in your past and your present circumstances? Is He calling you to plant a church with your husband? If so, I believe the first step to having a successful church plant is understanding that this is as much your ministry and calling as it is your husband's, even though it's going to look different in the everyday workings of ministry. Now that I've given you three things to consider about your calling, let's get into Lori Ann's story. Thanks for having me, Carol. This is, uh, we are in Franklin, Tennessee, and we have been here, uh, it'll be two years at the end of May, and uh, we've planted a church called Refuge that's just uh, been open since August. And uh, we moved here under the kind of care and in our residency position of Emmanuel Church in Nashville with Ray Ortland as the pastor. And we planted out of there. Um, we brought a few families from Emmanuel with us. Um, as well as some people that had joined us from the Franklin area. So we were not tiny at launch. We had a kind of a good, good core group of people. Um, and I have spent my time putting together a group of ladies who really want to lead the women's ministry with me. And um, I do a great deal with that. So um, we've been working through some books. We've been training on uh, gospel culture, gospel doctrine, um, talking a lot about how to meet the needs of ladies, how to handle that, you know, how to um, teach as well as welcome. Um, women are essential to the church and retaining them through relationships and um, being able to really connect with them both on Sunday mornings and then through the week is, is really important. It's important to me, but I think it's also really important to the life of the church because we see so many families leave a church or, or 
um, you know, kind of wander off as the women uh-huh. in the family aren't that's connected. Wonderful. And so, so that's what I've been doing. And I have an, just an amazing group of ladies who genuinely want to reach out and love on and care for the ladies who visit. So it's been a really exciting time. Thanks for letting us know what you're up to. It sounds like things are going really well out there. So how did you react when Dustin told you for the very first time that he wanted to plant a church? I remember we had just moved into our first house and I, I think by the look on his face, he was trying to postpone telling me until he just couldn't wait any longer. Um, <laughs> he knew that my world would kind of crumble in a matter of seconds. Um, yeah. We were about six months pregnant with number two, and I had just celebrated my first child's birthday about three weeks, because I remember this was in September. It was, you know, still warm outside. And he had told me late one night that his position that he was in, um, for most women that, you know, might be a typical sort of thing, but, you know, his position, his current job, and it was really his first staff job since we had been married, Mm -hmm. um, was in a church that we both loved. And it was a church that I just adored. Our first, mm. we had we had worked at a church, so by no means was this the first church I was involved in or or the first church we had been involved in. But it was it was the first church that I had found that I'm like, this is this is me. This is who mm. I am. This is mm. this is our home. And um, I had made extremely close friends. I was in accountability with a few ladies and, was, you know, just walked really closely. And uh, this was our family. And um, so telling me, hey, my position's going to come to an end, my job's going to change, it wasn't telling me that his job was changing. I'm going to get a new one. I think I'm going to go interview. I'm going to, you know, this was saying you're going to lose your home, you know? So it was emotionally, it, that was my first response was emotional because, you know, and of course I immediately started crying because I was like, what? This is no, you know, because it's sadly when you're, I mean, you know this, when you're a church planter, when you're on staff of the church, there's oftentimes very little boundaries. And if there are, they're very blurred between your family life, your personal life, your church life, everything's mm-hmm. rolled into one and it sometimes never stops. And for many people, it might be a real huge blessing to say, hey, we're going to go plant a church because mm-hmm. some people may not want to stay in that church. But me, it was just a, just right through my heart. Um, so so how did you deal with hours. that? Huh? How well, I spent a few hours crying. Uh-huh. I just spent, and, and for me personally, I'm an immediate processor. I, mm-hmm. I'm married to a delayed processor. Um, I feel the full weight immediately. I, I can have, you know, a movie reel of pictures that flash through my mind of everything I'm going to lose uh-huh. if this changes, everything I love, every, you know. So it's a very immediate um, 
grieving process, you know. And so I did. I spent the night crying. I spent the night thinking about everything. We we stayed up late talking about everything. Um, I was running through already planning out how am I going to tell my friends? How am I going to, you know, say this? How are we going to, you know, um, and it was just, it was just awful for that night. Um, but you know, after you have that immediateness, or at least for me, I also processed the theological and the spiritual and the biblical ramifications, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was just a lot. It was an emotional, heavy evening. Um, and of course I'm pregnant, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, my poor husband, <laughs> um, you know, and so, um, I went to sleep. Fortunately with that pregnancy, I slept really great, um, at night. And so, I remember waking up the next morning, and I know he probably, you know, dreaded a conversation with me that morning after having to go through that night of like, what is she going to think? What is she going to say? And, you know, there's there's that that old, you know, saying, let me sleep on it. Uh-huh. You know, just you don't make decisions in the heat of the moment. You don't make emotional decisions. You don't make decisions when you're emotional. Um, but sleeping on something, praying on it, and just... You know, it, it's just always a good thing. But um, after after resting, after really had, you know, already processed a lot of it and cried my tears over a lot of things and come to terms with a lot of things, um, I remember waking up the next day and, you know, I got up first. I would, you know, do things that I, I remember Dustin, I heard him on a phone call or something that morning. And when I went into the kitchen, you know, I just said, okay, if this is what the Lord's calling us to, okay. And wow. he just kind of looked at me and he, mm-hmm. and he said, really? And I mm-hmm. said, yeah, you, you know, because I know at least at this point, I, I, I had learned to accept some things, you know, and hopefully had learned which battles you can fight, which battles you can't. I most definitely learned um, that you're not going to change. God's mind that you're not, you know, there are certain things you can't change. And this was one of them. There wasn't anything that we were going to do to change. It was more or less, how are we going to figure this out? How are we going to move forward? Uh Um, And so, you know, me saying, okay, wasn't saying, I'm so excited. It was just saying, okay, I can live with this. We'll figure it out. Um, And ultimately, if this is what the Lord's calling us to, then I definitely want to be a part of it. Yeah, and so um, at any point, did you feel that God clarified it for you that this is your calling too? Um, yes, I remember um, because he's still saying that his position was ending and our long-term goal and long-term plan under this church we were in was to plant out of it. Uh Now, at the time when we had decided that, it was about three years out. Um, There was just some changes going through. Part of, part of the change was figuring out, Dustin figuring out, and the other, you know, staff people that he wasn't necessarily the greatest person for that role because he was was in in an executive pastor role. Uh And if you know, church planters are not 
necessarily great <laughs> at executive pastor work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a bit of a square peg in a round hole. They recognized you as a church planter. But, you know, that's why there was a long-term plan. But it just kind of got moved up when it was like things just weren't moving very smoothly in that whole capacity. And so when he brought this and when we began talking about it, it wasn't like, okay, now we're going to go plant. It was more like this is on the table. We have to make some decisions here. Uh Um, You know, yeah, I can go out and find a different staff role. We can move. We can do this. We can do that. Or we can do this plan, but it would just be moved up. And so there were, there were a lot of changes and um, quite frankly, they, they tried to dissuade him from planting because it was so rushed. It was so soon and it, it just wasn't as, you know, planned. And I remember he and I going to a meeting about it and we had already said, you know, yeah, this is, I mean, we're, we're good with this. I mean, anytime you plant, you're like, uh, okay, you know, I don't know that anybody's like, this is going to be so great. Because if you look at the numbers, if you look at the stuff, there's no way that you're like, there's no certainty that it is going to be so great. Right. Um, so there is always an element of, I think so, you know, I, mm-hmm. I mean, we hope so. <laughs> this is what, you know, this is what we feel called to, but even sometimes you're like, right, right, Lord, is this, I mean, this is right, you know, and so... Um, I went to a meeting with him, and um, he was like, you know, they asked me, like, are you in with this? Are uh-huh. you okay with this? And I said, yeah. Are you sure? This is going to be awful. This is going to be crazy. This is going to be blah, 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 you know? And I just remember looking at him and saying, I get it, mm-hmm. but we're totally going to be together, and we've done this type of stuff before and this is how we work best when we work together and Mm -hmm. at that time I had worked he had worked we were going in different directions and that was something we weren't happy about in our home and it wasn't how you know we we kind of functioned at about 60 percent you know together not not either at our greatest and so um yeah we you know I said I'm I'm good we're going to be together and, and that'll be better than what we've been doing. And what a blessing so, to, um, to be in ministry together. I found that too. Is. I feel like yeah. I'm being used the most when John and I are um, ministering together. Do you feel the same way with you and Destin? Yeah, it, we, maybe not all couples are this way and this by no means say that we agree on everything and that uh-huh. we don't butt heads or, you know, that we don't right. have to work things out. Um, but we run at higher capacities when we are working together. I think we just have, um, and have learned, I think like each other's strengths, where the boundaries are, you know, he does these things. He needs me to do these things. I need, I, I don't do those things at all. Um, and we're really good with that. And tend to let each other work in our, you know, he doesn't typically micromanage me. And if he, if he tends to get in my way, I, he has no problem with him saying, um, you're in my area. I got it. I need you to go over there. And yeah. Well, we and just, when, when I, I should clarify too, when I say working together, like I don't mean John and I go off and do the same thing together, but that if, for example, we want to have people over at our house, 
um, to meet the neighbors and get to know them and let mm -hmm. them know we're going to be planting a church in the area that we're working together as in we're both of the same mind that we both agree it's mm -hmm. important that the resources should be put in this direction that if I'm preparing yes. the house and the food, which is the role I usually take, uh, John will be doing something else that goes with it, you know, because if, mm -hmm. if uh, I've seen in church planting, if the wife isn't on board with what the husband's trying to do with the church plant, it doesn't get, doesn't get very far because it, it doesn't is a team effort. Well, it, you, no, I, you're absolutely right. There has to be complete and, you know, 150, you know, percent support. Um, but I will say for Dustin and I, there is both the, um, I've got your back and I mm -hmm. support you in this. Yeah. And the other element where we do work best when we are right beside. Um, yeah. And every couple's it, different that way of what it looks are. like and you have, to work together. You have, and, no, and there are seasons. There, mm -hmm. there are seasons. We just happen to be planting our second church now, um, I have older kids, and that was very new from, you know, we, my daughter, my second born, was born on the very first day oh, of wow. the first church plant. That's how we welcomed the church <laughs> plant and her <laughs> together. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you have newborns and, and infants and toddlers, and so, you know, it just... Um, you're not able to do as much as a, as the mom. I don't feel like, um, you know, you literally have your hands full with a lot of things, but the second time around, um, I've been much more in the mix with helping him. Um, not necessarily, I actually haven't been in hardly any meetings whatsoever in the church, but just helping him, um, and I've worked much more closely with women and had my hands, you know, into a lot more with mm -hmm. that. So the second church plant has been a very different experience and we've really, you know, really enjoyed it. So awesome. I think every couple has to find that sweet spot. So that wraps up my conversation with Laurieann Selby-Neely. And if you want to hear more from Laurieann, go to gobloom.wordpress.com. She has an excellent website called Bloom Where You're Planting, Tales from a Church Planting Wife, and I adore her articles because they have so much emotion and she comes at her articles with a very relational and family approach because of her education. So check out gobloom.wordpress.com. Thanks again for joining us. Join us next week when we'll be talking about what it means to be assessed as a church planting couple and why it's important for you. Until next time, church planter wife.